everybody this is the Ruben report direct message for January 12th 2021 uh, a lot of twos and ones in that date um, there's a lot going on in the world in case you didn't know I'm gonna try to get you through some of it without making you insane no guarantees you know you should probably have a lawyer next to you if you think I'm guaranteeing that because I don't know that I can guarantee not making you more insane, but I'll do the best that I can. Uh, I should tell you guys that I'm operating on about an hour's sleep because I was on Fox and Friends this morning at I guess like 5.05 a.m. Pacific time, so I had to be up at 4.30. But you know sometimes when you set your alarm for like a super early wake up, like you gotta go to the airport or something, and then you just like can't quite sleep right and you're waking up every 15 minutes, like how much more time do I have? Oh, I have seven more minutes, very exciting. So I was up basically from like two and I went to bed at 10. I probably didn't fall asleep till about midnight. So I got about two hours sleep here. I've had like just endless, endless meetings uh, because of locals, because there's a ton of good stuff going on, which I'll get to in just a second. Um, and then of course, you know, everything that we've been talking about on this show for years, it's like all happening right now, which is quite bizarre. I, you know, the simple truth is, and I'm not, I'm genuinely not saying this to pat myself on the back. I wish I was wrong. But all the stuff that I've been talking about for five, six years now about free speech, about big tech, about the ever encroaching movement to crush any idea that doesn't fit woke orthodoxy, it's all here right now. Like in many ways, not to be alarmist. I genuinely don't mean this to be alarmist. I'm just gonna tell you how I feel about things at the moment. Doesn't it kinda feel like we're in the middle of a slow coup like we're in this like slow motion coup. We don't really know who's taking over. I'm not saying Joe Biden and the Democrats are doing a coup. Let's be clear, hello media matters, you losers. Uh, but that it feels like everything is being taken away from us. Every bit of rational thought, every bit of sort of functional institutions. I can't imagine having kids right now and sending them to public school, like that doesn't work. I would never want, I don't want anyone in my family or friends or anyone I love to watch mainstream media, that's a problem. So it's just like this ever moving blob, basically, that feels like it's just encompassing America. You know what it is? It feels like the pink slime. Remember the pink slime from Ghostbusters 2 that was causing everybody to hate? That's sort of where we're at at the moment. I feel like America is covered in pink slime. And you know, where are the Ghostbusters when you need them? Because that's what we're going through right now. And you know, we're all in it together. And we're just watching so many people. You know, Twitter has gotten, and I would say the general tenor of the major tech platforms have got, has gotten much worse. You know, if the idea was we're going to ban people and that's going to get us to to heal, like I think that has sort of uh, failed uh, epically. Um, so everybody's kind of just, just getting nutty, and we haven't even had the inauguration yet, and it's just, it's just wild out there. Uh, so that's actually a perfect segue to the, to the first story that I want to talk about. So in case you've been living in a cave for the last few days, uh, Donald Trump, who still is the president of the United States, believe it or not, uh, he has been banned from pretty much everything, okay? Trump has been banned from Reddit, he has been banned from Twitch, he has been banned from Shopify, he has been banned from Twitter, he has been banned from YouTube, he has been banned from Facebook, he has been banned from Instagram, he has been banned from Snapchat, he has been banned from TikTok, he has been banned from Pinterest, he has been banned from Stripe, and he has been banned from Google 
and Apple, uh, which, uh, you know, the stores, which also ban Parler. Can we confirm, absolutely confirm, that he's been banned from YouTube? Because that one I did not know. Um, so I want to just double check on that one. But basically, if Donald Trump wants to listen to music, he can't do it on Shopify anymore. If he wants to uh, post a picture of his latest, uh, you know, cap that he knitted, he can't put that on Pinterest anymore. He can't, you know, do anything. Oh, God, it's just, you get it, guys? Like... Is this, is this making us more tolerant or not? That is not a commentary on what happened. The violence, again, should be 100% condemned. You know, I'm also seeing a lot of people that are saying Trump was calling for violence. Even, even people in my circles who I sort of respect, or at least respected at one time, saying that Donald Trump uh, absolutely was calling for violence the day before. And he, he repeatedly said peaceful. Now, I guess the issue is if you're gonna tell people that the election is stolen and get them to DC all riled up, like what do you think is gonna happen? But that's, that's sort of that gray area that we need free speech for. Like a direct call for violence is one thing, uh, but dancing around, dancing around it is not. We're, we're just in a weird thing. Oh, all right, I was correct. I don't even have to correct myself uh, because I was correct actually. Uh, in my incorrection, and then I corrected myself on the fly. Uh, YouTube is the only big social media service keeping Trump's account open for now, but of course many people are calling for it to be deleted. So that's interesting. Like out of all of them, they've left his YouTube up, which is, which is very strange because as you guys know, in, in the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been a whole bunch of messaging out of YouTube. You know, if you say this about the election, you can be banned. We're gonna give you a strike. We might just delete your channel altogether. Um, and you know, for someone like me or for any of the people that you like on YouTube, you know, when they come in with these edicts, and again, it's their terms of service, they're entitled to do what they want. The issue is that it can become very hard to communicate information to you guys because what if I slightly say something, even if I don't mean it or I'm just exploring an idea or thinking something through or whatever it might be, doing a little thought experiment, talking about uh, censorship, talking about the election, whatever it is, and then someone at YouTube that, that doesn't like me, and I have no doubt that there's some people at YouTube that, that don't like me, I am a radical freedom extremist after all, uh, you know, that they could just, you know, click the button and, and blow up the whole thing. So, uh, as I said before, this idea that somehow if, if we just start banning people, put, let's just remove Trump from the equation altogether, right? Because Trump, Trump is, is, you know, a, a special thing, let's say. Um, if we just remove Trump from the equation altogether, it's like, do you think that these bannings and saying you can't be on these things, you can't listen to music through Spotify, you can't sell, uh, you know, sell items, merchandise through Shopify, do we think that this is actually going to make us a more tolerant society? And do we think it's going to stop with Trump? So let's say, okay, now we just start saying Trump supporters in general can't do these things. Well, what, what defines a Trump supporter? Is it, did you have to be out there at a MAGA rally? And are we gonna go into old videos and find all the people at rallies? And should all of those people be banned from things? And what about, uh, say, a Trump, a tepid Trump supporter four years ago who became a never-Trumper? If they're a never-Trumper now, do they have you know, enough of a window that they you know, can bow to you for, but they did support him the first time, something like that? Like, there's so many versions of this. And, and for all of these people that are cheering it on, I hate to tell you guys, but look at history. It will come for you at some point. And, and even beyond all that, that we have, as I said the other day, this, this superstructure that now seems to exist over the government. Like, what seems, what seems more powerful right now? 
right at this very moment, is it Trump, the president, who really has no way of communicating us? Apparently, he can put videos on YouTube, but he hasn't, and I have no doubt, like, is there any doubt that if Trump put a video up on YouTube right now, they'd ban him immediately? Like, they obviously would. So what feels more powerful to you, powerful to you the sort of neutered president that we have, okay, who, who I actually fully believe that by the end of, after the stop the steal thing and the Republicans, Ted Cruz and Josh Howley and a couple others would have voiced their uh, opinions on January 6th, they would have you know, registered their complaints about the election, and then that basically would have been it. I, I think that that's really um, what most sane people think. Like that, that would have been it, right? Um, but what do you think is gonna happen? Do you think that you can remove all of these people from society and, and that group of people that you will remove from society will always be growing. So for now, we'll say, okay, it's Trump supporters, but then it'll be more broadly conservatives. And you know who you can see that's really excited about this now? It's like the sort of never Trumpers, the kind of like flaccid, pathetic, get everything wrong Republicans who never accomplish anything, although occasionally help get us into wars, like Bill Kristol and David Frum, that, that type and the, the Lincoln Project guys. It's like they're loving this right now because their opposition, they hated Trump, right? So that's been destroyed. And now they can become just sort of nothing think tank people who will be pet on the head by MSNBC. That's a conservatism that the mainstream likes. Like, oh, you guys, you're all sort of failed things from, from administrations that are long gone, right? But now you sort of pretend that you're conservatives and we can just keep you here as a little pet. There, uh, who was the guy that uh, not? Who was the guy that sat next to Jabba the Hutt? The little character. He sat next to Jabba the Hutt. He was his little pet. What the hell was that guy's name? Scrolacious uh, Crumb or something? Help me here. Somebody get this. Uh, that's what they want to be, right? Like they want just a bunch of pets. Salacious Crumb was that his name? Salacious Crumb. That sounds right to me, but that seems too salacious Crumb. Somebody help you. Oh, he was a Kowakian monkey lizard with a shrill cackle. His name was Salacious Crumb. And he sat on Jabba's dais, stealing bits of food and mimicking the hut uh, for all his visitors. <laughs> okay, so do you see my point? I think I made a fairly clear metaphor there. Anyway, guys, this stuff isn't going anywhere. And I just want to quickly address something that I said yesterday, because you know I had Tulsi Gabbard on the show. And you know a lot of people felt this was sort of the same Democrat. I, I have so many viewers and listeners who are conservatives, libertarians, sort of reforming Dems, whatever you want to call me, us at this point, right? And all of them are going, well, that's the type of Democrat I could have went for. And the, and the Democrats had a choice. Joe Biden had a choice, although again, I don't think he's really in charge, but there was a choice to be made. Like, who do we pick as VP? Which, which road do we want to go down right now? Do we want to go down a kind of centrist, genuinely pro-America, let's listen to each other, let's have moderate positions on abortion, and let's not fully go down the road of identity politics, and let's scale back the wars and all those things. That was the Tulsi road. They, they went with the Kamala road. Um, and yesterday when I had Tulsi on, we obviously launched her, her locals community, so it's tulsi.locals.com, and just real quick, sales pitch real quick, uh, we are building a bottom-up internet. It is not like big tech. I genuinely believe this, and this is why I started this company two years ago and why I've put so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. I always felt that this day was coming and that the big structures, just like big government doesn't work, big tech doesn't work. We don't need 
are <laughs> these overlords, right, at, at Twitter, Jack at Twitter, and Zuckerberg at Facebook. We don't need these overlords telling us who can talk and who can't. Now, that doesn't mean that every platform and every place of the internet should have people calling for violence and terrorism and everything else. Obviously, you can't do that on locals. We're gonna have a zero tolerance policy for it. And if you do that, that's a, that's a law of the United States. Uh, you're breaking the law of the United States and, and it, will be, it will be dealt with. But the idea that the tech companies, which are our modern ways of communication, right? They're the information highways that allow us to share ideas. Well, we have the First Amendment. That means the government can't come get you but they're basically outsourcing it, and now what's happening is the tech companies are saying, okay, these are the things you can't say. So the, in, a, in a weird way, we're, we're like putting the First Amendment aside. It's like the government's not coming for you for a lot of this stuff, although I think that's on the way. We'll get to some stories on that in a little bit. So our promise with locals is that we're building digital homes for everybody. If you just want a home that is yours online, that you can set some rules by, set a tone around conversation, have your videos and your audio and all that, please go to locals.com and, and create a community. And by the way, because it's a paywall, uh, because I think the days of the free internet are over, you know, like all of this stuff for free, I was thinking about it last night, it's like, if you want new sneakers, do you get free sneakers? You don't, you have to pay for them. If you want a new phone, do you pay for it? You pay for it. You want a new mug, do you pay for it? You want a new Sharpie? You want some new paper, you pay for it. We pay for everything, that's what value is, that's what capitalism is, and we pay for something in exchange to get something we want. And with big tech and all of these things, I know it seems weird, but we just decided to give ourselves over, and, and we didn't pay for it with money, but we paid for it with our souls, and that's why we're in this situation that we're in right now. So I believe that the future of the internet will be smaller gated communities that will figure out how to network with each other, will have local control and local um, rules around language and everything else. Uh, in my Ruben Report community, rubenreport.locals.com, you can, you can say whatever you want, but as I said, you can't, there are no threats of violence, you can't post copyrighted material or porn. And by the way, if people came in there to just be awful, right, like, like virtually everyone is in, on Twitter and all these other places, it's like, well, either you're paying me as the creator for it, or I'll just boot you. But if I boot you, that's like kicking someone out of my house. That's not like kicking someone out of the country, where right now it's like you get booted off all these platforms. So I just firmly believe, and I hope you guys, it doesn't matter whether you join Locals or not, or whether you join the Ruben Report community or not, I just hope you will rethink your relationship with big tech. Because these companies, I don't think they're inherently evil. Like, I don't think they were born out of the evil primordial ooze to come and destroy all of us. But there's something about us that, that lends itself to creating giant evil structures. It's why I've always feared big government. I think it's, it's probably why you do as well. These big structures, they're just not inherently good. And that right now, they, in, in this crazy time, where it feels like America is hanging on by a thread, democracy feels weird, the Western world feels weird, all the good things we've been taught about true equality and freedom feel like they're all in the balance. It's like we've got this group, this unnamed group of big tech people who are telling us who, who we can and can't talk to and what we can and can't talk about. And they're also saying, it's not just what you can say on our platforms, but if you go somewhere else, in this case, Parler, we're just gonna blow up the servers. Now that is not, again, I hate having to qualify this stuff, but we live in such a stupid time. That is not to defend any of the violent threats that were made on Parler, and they were. Which is, by the way, 
The idea of, of selling something as a purely free speech platform is a, is a very dangerous, slippery slope. And I think I, I briefly discussed that privately with Dan Bongino once. Dan Bongino, of course, was the creator of, uh, is the creator of Parler. But I don't, that's why I don't brand, it's not just up to me, but I don't brand locals that way, that it's purely free speech. It's that I'm trying to give you the tools to have a, to have a something, a digital something, a home, that is in line with your values and your beliefs. I just think that's a much better way of doing things. And, and we got to figure out how to deal with this stuff. And it, it ain't going anywhere. And I'm going to keep talking about it as long as uh, the YouTube gods let me talk about it. But I will let you know that we are working on live stream video for locals, which uh, I don't know if my developers want me to say this, but we should have in about three weeks. There we go, guys. Work a little harder, okay? Uh, all right, so I want to get to a couple other stories because believe it or not, there's other things going on in the world that I think are worth noting. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk to you guys about Gabby Insurance. You know, we're all looking for ways to save money right now, and I want to ask you this. How do you like to keep an extra $961 a year in your pocket? That's how much Gabby customers save per year on average on car and home insurance. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples -apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. Just link your insurance account, and in minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. It's fast and it's easy, and Gabby can show you if you've been overpaying. I discovered great deals as well as new insurance companies, and it was quickly, I was quickly able to compare the top five rates by seeing them listed in order, which made navigating through the plan super easy. Like I mentioned earlier, Gabby customers save 961 bucks per year on average. I bet that'd be nice to have in your pocket right now. That's more than $600 that the government's giving you. If they can't find you savings, they let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate out there and they never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. You're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Ruben. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Ruben. Gabby.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. All right, let's move away from big tech for a second. Let's move away uh, from Trump for a second. Let's talk about the future, the Joe Biden future of America, where so many of my good liberal friends said, Dave, you alarmist, you extremist. Don't worry, Dave. Everything's going to be fine with old Joe Biden. He's not a radical lefty. He's a decent America-loving liberal and it's going to be okay. And I kept saying, guys, I don't think so. As I've, what, what analogy have I used here? He's but the host for the evil alien to burst forth. And we are starting to see that alien burst forth. Uh, here's video from the Biden-Harris presidential transition team from a speech that Joe Biden gave two days ago. And uh, when we talk about woke, well, here's some woke on steroids for you. Our focus will be on small businesses on Main Street that aren't wealthy and well-connected, that are facing real economic hardships through no fault of their own. Our priority will be Black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned small businesses, women-owned businesses, and finally, having equal access to resources needed to reopen and rebuild. But we're going to make a concerted effort to help small businesses in low-income communities in big cities, small towns, rural communities that have faced systemic barriers to relief. 
Think of the mom and pop owner with a couple of employees. Joe, uh, let me make this a note directly to you. Uh, not only is that racist, that is systemically racist. You are putting racism in the system, saying we are going to give to these people based on their race, based on their skin color, based on their national origin. We're going to do that, which means we are going to not do it for these people who may be in the exact same economic hardship situation. That is racism. That is 180% on the dime, the reverse of what Martin Luther King Jr. said. What did Martin Luther King Jr. say? He didn't want his children to be treated, judged on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character, okay? We all know it. We all know it, and we all know that's right. We all know that's true liberalism. We all know that that's connected to the American dream. We all know that that's what equality is, and Joe Biden, I'll read it for you in case you missed it. Our priority will be black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned small businesses, women-owned businesses, and finally having equal access to resources needed to reopen and rebuild. Okay, now first off, Asian, that they put Asian in there seems extremely odd because we know that Asian Americans generally, regardless of whether they're Japanese, Chinese, or whatever it might be, generally are doing extremely well socioeconomically. But I think what you can see the Democrats doing is going, oh, if we can just get them to think that they're somehow a persecuted minority, that they'll keep coming with us. And it's a pretty good thing, because then it's like, oh, they're gonna, we're gonna get more money by being with them. Uh, but it's actually an erasure of, of the way Asian Americans have lived in America, which is a tremendous amount of hard work, or caring about education and family and everything else. Our priority, this is what systemic racism is. When I've said for the last couple of years that the anti-racists are the new racist, this is it. Please show me a policy that evil Donald Trump wanted to push through that was going to benefit one group of people based on the color of their skin at the expense of other people. I don't know what policy that is, but Joe Biden is telling you we are going to have racist policies. Women-owned businesses. Have women been hit more by COVID than men? I think at one point I saw that the, it was significantly higher male death. Now, often women are married to men and they might be upset about that. Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. I mean, none of this makes sense, but you must understand we are in a deluge of epic nonsense from these people. This is, I mean, it's all here. It's all here. Like, we're, we're in it. It's wrapped all over us. It's the pink slime. It's everywhere, and it's insane. But if you think it's if you think that's not insane, Dave, you're you're just you're just being crazy, Dave. Would you please just calm down? Well, Tucker Carlson did a piece last night on uh, Kristen Clark, who is Joe Biden's choice to be the Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division uh, leader, the head of the Civil Rights Division, and he did an incredible takedown of her. It's about a minute and a half. I think it's worth watching, and then we'll, we'll unpack it. Kristen Clark is Joe Biden's pick to run the Justice Department's enormously powerful Civil Rights Division. Clark says her job is simple. It's to end hate. But like so many in her world, Clark is, in fact, an enthusiastic purveyor of what she claims to fight. Clark's been on this show several times. A new investigation, though, by our reporters has uncovered shocking, and we don't use that word lightly, legitimately shocking statements that Clark made in public while at Harvard. In 1994, Clark wrote a letter to the Harvard Crimson in her capacity as the president of the Black Studies Association, 
Clark wanted to explain her views on race science. Quote, please use the following theories and observations to assist you in your search for truth regarding the genetic differences between blacks and whites. End quote. So you know it's going to be interesting. And it was. Quote, one, Dr. Richard King reveals that the core of the human brain is the locus coeruleus, which is a structure that is black because it contains large amounts of neuromelanin, which is essential for its operation. Two, black infants sit, crawl, and walk sooner than whites. Three, Carol Barnes notes that human mental processes are controlled by melanin, that same chemical which gives blacks their superior physical and mental abilities. Four, some scientists have revealed that most whites are unable to produce melanin because their pineal glands are often calcified or non-functioning. Pineal calcification rates with Africans are 5 to 15 percent, Asians 15 to 25 percent, and Europeans 60 to 80 percent. This is the chemical basis for the cultural differences between blacks and whites. And five, melanin endows blacks with greater mental, physical, and spiritual abilities, something which cannot be measured based on Eurocentric standards. End quote. All right. Thank you, Tucker, for handling that one for me. I had to, I normally don't play like such, so much of one clip from another show, but it's like, you need to hear all that. You need to hear all that. This person is gonna be the head of the Civil Rights Division. Does that seem like a problem? Uh, you kids out there, you often say the phrase problematic. That's problematic. That seems problematic to me. Uh, the best part, of course, was right at the end, that melanin, uh, actually gives you special spiritual abilities. And I do want to say, you know, I was in Florida for 10 days and I, I was out there getting some sun and I did feel, I came back and I felt more spiritual. Can I get an amen and an a woman? You hear me, people? We are in a lot of trouble. We are in a lot of trouble because not only are they bringing back systemic racism into our system by saying we're gonna help certain people based on the color of their skin, but then we're putting people in government who clearly have ideas based in racial superiority. That strikes me as a problem. Uh, and let's just pretend for just a second that this was a white person saying those things about black people, right? Uh, they would be banned, they would be depersoned, they would be called racist and all of those things. Now that's up for everyone to debate all of those things. Uh, but the fact that this smoke, that, that, that this, is being, this is being unfurled in front of us and it seems like the smoke of the Trump situation and the social media situation and that people are locked in their houses and they're not going to work. It's like people aren't even really paying attention to what's going on and at some level I don't, I don't blame people so it is a very weird thing. I want to do one other story because it's directly related to all this uh, very quickly. Uh, there are two videos, we're going to show you them back to back, uh, from Delta Airlines from a couple days ago where they've removed Trump supporters from a flight leaving D.C. So this is, af this, uh, this is after the Capitol uh, event. So these are people leaving D.C. who apparently were at the, uh, at the rally. I, as far as I know, there's no reason to think that they were violent in any way, but they were on a plane leaving D.C. They were taken off a plane, we'll watch that, and then the second video you're gonna see, we're gonna play them back to back, is, is what happened right outside of the gate once they were taken off the plane. Why are they taking me off? Why? Freedom of speech? Yeah. Just for saying that? That's ridiculous. Get off the plane. Get off the plane. I have the right. You have the right freedom of speech. Freedom of speech.
Kick these people off the plane because they support President Trump. And you got all these standing around doing nothing. 30 cops over here. Rest of them going everywhere. All these police everywhere. Because they were waiting for these people to get put off the plane because they support President Trump. How you doing? It's crazy. This is crazy. Okay, so obviously we don't have every little bit of context to that, but it does appear that they were just Trump supporters on a plane. You could hear people on the plane saying free speech, free speech. You could see what happened after after that. Let's let's just remove those people specifically, but let's just talk sort of broadly about what's happening here. If you say to people, you can't be online, you can't go to work, you can't have a job, you can't afford things, you can't get on a plane, this, the litany of things that we're seeing here. Can't get on a plane, you can't get on a plane, you can't get on a plane, you can't do any of this stuff, you can't eat, you can't drink. What do you, what do you think is gonna happen? What do you think people are gonna do? I mean, that, that's the problem with banning people. And you know, I have seen a tremendous amount of, of people that years ago I thought were my political allies. Uh, you know, some, some pretty big lefties like Sam Harris and Steven Pinker and Richard Dawkins. Uh, now this is sort of a sidebar, but it is sort of interesting to me that, the, that they're all well-known atheists. But I've seen all of them sort of cheering on the fact that Trump got banned. And once you start doing that, what you're saying is, okay, we should also cheer on, in effect, I don't want to put words in their mouths, but in effect, you're also cheering on that his supporters should be banned. And of course, what that will do, as I said earlier, was it'll be an ever-expanding list of people that should be just taken out of polite society. But what do you expect to do with these people? Like, unless you want to jail them and deport them and or kill them, what, what do you think should happen to these people if the ideas that they hold are so horrible. And, and again, let's remove Trump from this. Let's remove Trump as the main actor and the main mover here. If, if you're right, you tolerant liberals, that these people are so bad and they're enablers and all of the horrible things, well then what is it that you really think we should do with them? And this is how authoritarian regimes rise. This is how the, the bad ideas of socialism and communism and state power rise because good people start looking around and finding bad people everywhere and then they and never end up looking in the mirror. And, and that really is the problem. So we really need to think through all of this stuff. Um, it, it, as I said earlier, it feels like everything is under attack and that ain't going anywhere for a little while. You know, I was not one of the people that said, oh, goodbye 2020, 2021 is gonna be so much better. It was so obvious to me that these divisions were only gonna get worse and now because of the bannings and everything else that we see, they're gonna increasingly get worse. I promise you, I will try not to make them worse. I don't know how you heal some of these things and in many ways, maybe we do need some versions of a national separation. Like the, the people that really support Antifa, that really believe in identity politics, that really believe in huge government, like I don't really want to live in the society they want to live in and they don't really want to live in the society I want to live in. Now I'm not saying we should be fighting. I don't want us to fight and I certainly don't want anyone to be violent, but maybe we should figure out ways and this is what localism is all about, right? This is what federalism is all about that you go back to your local community and those are the things that should matter and your family and your extended family and the group of people around you at a local level because I think we're starting to realize that after the advent of the internet and 20 years of social media, we're realizing that we have a tremendous amount of people with a tremendous amount of ideas and I'm okay with people having different ideas 
than me, but a lot of people aren't okay with having other people have other ideas. This is a problem, and I don't know how that that becomes a healing rather than an, uh, an intractable problem. So we, we have a lot of work that we gotta figure out. Um, all right, I got a whole bunch of meetings uh, today about locals, there's a lot going on. As I said, uh, please check it out. If, if you haven't yet, I think we've got a little bit of the answer. There's no answer that is purely philosophically right, legally right, technologically right yet, but we're working on decentralized storage. We're working on uh, more diverse payment processors. We're working on all of those things. We've cleaned up a lot of the conversation. I think we've built something really nice. It's, it's actually, at least in my community, rubenreport.locals.com, we've built, or just rubenreport.com, we've built something that um, you won't have a headache when you're there. How about that? Every time I open up Twitter, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Uh, and it's, it's just the reverse the other way. Uh, I will be interviewing John Bachman, who is uh, the early afternoon host on Newsmax, who I do a show once or twice a week. I think he's just a fantastic voice, and um, uh, I'm glad that I can be uh, sharing him with more people. I'm gonna be doing that later today, and then we'll post it later this week. I'm also interviewing uh, Patrick Byrne, who is uh, the CEO, the former CEO of Overstock.com and a huge Bitcoin guy. We're gonna talk all about big tech and all of that stuff. And uh, if you haven't checked out uh, Tulsi Gabbard's Locals community at Tulsi.Locals.com, and we got a whole bunch of more announcements coming and everything else. Okay, shut your computer, shut your phone, take a walk, have some water, goodbye.